The IMG Roadmap is the only podcast dedicated to coaching international medical graduates and success blueprints for this unique pathway. I am Dr. Nina Loom, your host, a previous IMG turned hospital medicine physician, healthcare administrator, speaker, and coach. I empower, encourage, and equip you with actionable steps that you can take towards the residency position of your dreams. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the IMG Roadmap Podcast. I'm glad that you guys are sticking around. I keep bringing success story after success story after success story. And so today I have Dr. Ayala Bauer, like Jack Bauer in 24. Yes, that's right. So she is in today. Welcome to the show, Dr. Bauer. How are you? Hi, thank you for having me. I'm good. How are you? I am doing super great, super awesome. It's a full spring day, I would say. Yeah, we're still in spring, so can't complain. So how about you? Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Brooklyn, New York. I just moved here because my residency will be in Brooklyn, so I wanted to be close to the hospital. Awesome. Congratulations. Such a big Thank deal. In residency, I feel like it's probably is one of the most exciting things that I've done. Just that initial feeling of accomplishment, <laughs> you know? Yes, so. yes. It takes a huge weight off your shoulders just to know like, oh my God, okay, I have this spot secured somewhere. Yeah, it's, I mean, there's something gratifying about, it's like such a big goal, right? Like we all have mm-hmm. or had as students or graduates of foreign medical schools to get into residency. And so- I don't think there's ever going to be a day where I'll look say, you know, I regret that decision because it's just one of those decisions that I know I will never regret. And it's, yeah. it's so fulfilling in a, in a very special way that unless you've been through it, you can't understand how fulfilling it is. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. It's, it's just one of those like big ones. Like you go into it, eyes open. And then when you get it, it's just like, okay, yes, this was the right decision. Yes, absolutely. And I think that that's why that's one of the reasons why like I started this podcast because it was like a monumental time in my life. But before I get to the point, there was so much adversity. And so when I got over that hump, it was absolutely important that I come back and say, no, 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 let's, you know, let's pass the baton. Let's let somebody else come up because it's, it's not easy if you do it on your, it's not easy. It's even more difficult when you do your own. Yeah, Yeah. 100%. I mean, I stumbled across you and your podcast through Instagram and I was like, oh my God, thank God, finally there's someone who can sort of show me the ropes of what to expect, what steps I need to take, what do I do? Because doing all this research on your own, is so confusing. It's so I don't know it's not clear and like there's contradictory advice on the internet and just with you I was like oh my god thank god finally something I can work with yeah absolutely so you know I totally 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 agree with you on that because one of the things aside is 2020 so looking like standing from like my viewpoint now ending and looking back I can see a lot of things that I could not see or know when yeah. I was a student, just because my idea, my perception and perspective is limited. And then when you go through that process yourself, and then you can look back even now, like you're starting your residency and you can look back and say, these are some things I would have done different. Even like you're just starting, you already can tell the things that you would have done differently. 
And yeah, at what point absolutely. you go differently. And so just imagine like years and years and years in advance, you have, you learn more and more and more. Obviously your perspective yeah. when you become PGY3 or in fellowship or in, in your attending life will be different from now. And so I just felt like it's absolutely important that we invite voices like yours to come on. So it's just not me and my Instagram and my perspective. I want <laughs> my perspective quite all right, but I want to hear other perspectives because you have a background that's very different from mine and you come in with so much more experience, even starting out and to make sure that yeah. those voices are being heard because different IMGs identify with different backgrounds. So my background, maybe someone would identify with it. Another person may highly identify with your background. And that's part of this. It's like, let's get more voices in the game. So it's just not Nina, Nina. It's, oh, there's other people that have different backgrounds, but it's the same. Like the theory, the concepts, the advice is the same. So I'm really yeah, glad that you exactly. just joined me. Yeah. So a little Thank bit. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So let's go a little bit into introductions. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? I'm 29 years old. I am originally from Munich in Germany, and I graduated medical school in 2016 and then went on to practice in internal medicine slash cardiology in Munich, Germany at one of their university hospitals. And the way the system works there, just for a brief overview, is you do sort of like a combined residency fellowship type program where you kind of choose like, okay, am I going to be a surgeon, an internist or whatever? And then immediately from the get-go, you sub-specialize within that overall specialty. And I focus on cardiology. And that's what I did for the last three years. I had different rotations, the ER, ICU, all of that. And then after three years, I was like, I don't know, this is not how I want to practice medicine. This is not the kind of system I want to, I don't know, I guess, quote unquote, grow up in. And I decided to pick up and leave, pack all my stuff and move to the US and start fresh. And I moved here in October of 2019. And then I had a very vigorous plan mapped out on when to take my steps, but then the pandemic happened and obviously the best laid plans <laughs> went to hell. But yeah, I still like, I don't know, I guess I persevered and I matched at SUNY Downstate here in Brooklyn and I'm excited to start. That is such an amazing story. And I want us to unpack every little bit of it because <laughs> you make it sound like, oh, it just happened. But I know that that was hard work, like starting from your decision to move and then your move and then being hit by the pandemic. So let's go to the very beginning. At what point in your career did you decide, I want to transition to the States to work? Or was it, did you have to move for a family reason or what was that like for you? So my mom's actually half American. So I always grew up with like a very big affinity for the U.S. in our household. And in the back of my mind, that idea or that dream was always like tucked away there of me someday moving here. And my younger sister, she actually lived here because she went to school here. And I don't know, we went for her graduation last year in May and I had just come out of like a really tough breakup and I was sort of like at a crossroads in my life of really wanting to go after what I really wanted and fulfilling my dreams. And I was in New York City for her graduation and I said to my parents, hey, it's so strange, my little sister is actually kind of living my dream. And then they were super supportive and they were like, listen, if you want to leave and if you want to start afresh, 
we'll support you. You can do that. Just be really, really sure you want to give up that privileged position you're in right now. And we went back home and I put my thinking hat on and I was like, okay, you really need to figure out what you want to do with your life. And I just, I wasn't feeling the way they teach you and educate you within our residency slash fellowship program. It's not as structured as it is here. You don't have like a clear curriculum. You don't know when you'll rotate where. It's all a little bit volatile. And that works for a lot of people, but I like structure. I like knowing what's coming. I know also what to expect from my education, but also what my educators can expect from me, like what step in my education I'm at. So like, for example, if you're a PGY2, like, you know what you can expect from a PGY2. There, like you can be in your third, fourth year of your, of your training and the next person can be miles ahead of you or miles behind you. So there's like no consistency there. And that really bothered me. And so I was like, okay, you know what? Now is probably the last time ever you're going to have the freedom to just decide and do whatever you want it is that you want to do. And so I packed up and, and left, got my visa, enrolled in a Kaplan course here in New York for some assistance in studying for step. And that's it. Moved in with my sister and, <laughs> and got started. Wow. And I'm very... Yeah. And I got here and I started with these live classes. It was like this very intense six week live class um, course at Kaplan. And I remember the first week it was biochemistry. And I just sat there and I was like, oh my God, what have I gotten myself into? I haven't dealt with this stuff in the last eight years. I don't even know what to do with this anymore. What did I do with my life? But I quickly made friends there and we formed a little study group, which I found helped a lot. And yeah, we all just kind of struggled through it. We all hopped on that struggle bus and uh, and held on for dear life. And yeah, and kind of kind of went with it. That is amazing. So that, was- <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. I always like listening to a story like yours because it tells me so many things about you. It tells me that even in the pit of despair, you decided to get something good out of it. So you went through a breakup and that was like, you know what, if something's going to happen, I'm going to do something drastic. I'm going to go for my dreams. I'm going to go for what I want and I'm going to try something different. And it's not like you were not comfortable in your position. You want it more. You want it better for yourself. And you just decided to take action on it. And I think that that is so huge And what I've noticed makes a difference between what I, you know, obviously there's so many factors why somebody gets into residency or or succeeds at this goal. But the one thing I've noticed with people that really kind of make it is that they are usually so driven and they're willing to do just about anything really to get to where they want to be. Yeah, you got to have that hunger inside of you, that like, (laughs) that grit. (laughs) Yes, yes, absolutely. I feel like that's a common theme with everyone I interview. It's usually like the most, you know, some of the stories are just bizarre, like yours. Like you could stay in Germany, you could have a pretty good life and a pretty good career there. But you decided, yeah. you know, I want more. I want something else. I want structure. You know, I probably want all these different things that I, I want to try something different. And then you go for it and you just don't stumble into it. You find another structured plan and involve yourself with it. So you find Kaplan. It's a dedicated six-week program. You know what you're going to get when you start out. And then in the process, you meet friends. And then you you make a new study group, meet study partners. And that's just how 
over time, it evolves into where you're at today. And for those listening, I want them to remember, like a lot of times when we're not sure what to do, just go with the next structured process. And then you'll figure out the next step. Like you don't have to figure out the very end from the beginning. Just figure out the next step that you could take, maybe with someone else leading you or guiding you along the way. I did that six-week Kaplan course also. So I know exactly what you mean with having to get a visa to come do that. That's exactly what I did. Getting a visa to come here six weeks and then during that process, met other students that were studying and kind of figured out my way and really polished my study plan based on that. So I totally understand that. So can you tell us a little bit more about maybe your USMLE? Well, actually, we, we haven't addressed this. So you just matched at Sunny Down State, but what program did you match into or what, uh, you don't tell us the name. Well, you did actually, you said Sunny Down State, but like what specialty, (laughs) what specialty? Uh, Internal medicine, internal medicine. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So just so as we carry on the conversation, the listener can build up with that because I thought I didn't ask her what specialty that was. Okay. Obviously (laughs) I knew that, but just want to make sure the listener knows. Okay. So now here we are about to start PGY1 internal medicine went to medical school in Germany, moved here with a visa, moved in with your sisters, like giving up a really good career, moving with your sister, starting over. Okay. And so walk us through your USMLE preparation. How did you structure those? Because you had to do them. You were doing them after medical school. So you were already a graduate while preparing for these exams and you had to take time off to do it. So can you touch a little bit about that? Touch on, on that period for you. So I started like looking at the Kaplan books and the big review book. Oh my God, I completely am blanking on the name, the health book, the big fat one, the USMLE step one book. First Um, aid? First aid. Yes, exactly. (laughs) I have already. Girl, you've forgotten, you've forgotten about first aid already, honey. Like (laughs) I had to, it was, uh, (laughs) it haunted me in my sleep. I know, I know, it's funny. Go ahead. So I was already like skimming those while I was still working. And luckily my last rotation before I left, I was um, in an outpatient clinic. So I had like a lot of downtime to sort of do this while I was working. But then, like I said, Kaplan, and then it was the six-week intensive course and then a six-month in-center study course where you basically just come to the center and study and I really did them in order. I first did step one, then two, and then three. And at first I tried to like get my base covered, sort of do the six weeks, not touching you world at all, just to get all the knowledge back into my brain, sort of dredge all that stuff up and bring it to the forefront of my brain again, which was harder than I, than I imagined. And I wish in hindsight that I had given myself a bit more time and not sort of pressured myself into taking step one as soon as I had wanted to, which was in April. So I really started studying in no, like late October and then wanted to take it in April. I did not take it in April because of the pandemic. It ended up being postponed until like late May, which is something I'll touch on later. But I really, what helped me the most was the live classes and then you world, you world, you world, you world. And among the IMGs that attended Kaplan with me, we had like a lot of UWorld summaries being handed around and sketchy micro, which was a lifesaver and a godsend for microbiology. They also have sketchy farm and sketchy path, 
which was really, really helpful. And for pathology in general, my biggest love, Pathoma. It was so, so good. The book with um, the online lessons, I loved it. I really, really loved it. So those were, were my lifesavers. And then I wanted to take it in April. Pandemic hit. All the prometric centers, everything shut down. The appointment was canceled. I was like, okay, oh well, all right. At some point, they have to open back up again. They need to turn out doctors. They need doctors now. And I actually ended up having to reschedule it five times. It got canceled three, four more times, like the night before the exam was supposed to happen, which obviously wreaked havoc on my nerves and my anxiety. So I went into the exam and I completely tanked it. I got a really low score. Um, I got a 211 score, which is really a horrible score. I'm ashamed to even say it out loud. And after that, I was like, okay, I guess I am not matching this cycle. This is not happening for me. And I already kind of saw my all my hopes and dreams uh, go down the drain. But my boyfriend, who I had met while I was doing all of the studying, he kept encouraging me, building me up. And I was like, no, 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 you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Just, just focus on step two and crush that, and then you'll be okay. Between step one and two, I took a little break and did some rotations. I wish I could have done rotations at actual hospitals, but because of COVID, obviously that wasn't possible. And I turned to a service called MD2B. I can highly, only highly recommend them. They were super helpful in finding good placements with, for me. And they placed me with doctors in their private practices. And I did three months in total with them. And then started studying for step two, which I took at the end of October. And I crushed step two, thankfully. And, and then I started prepping for, for my interviews. And then I recently took step three and crushed that one too. And now I'm free. No more USMLEs ever. <laughs> yes, that's amazing. So when you said you forgot first aid, I was going to say you still have one more first aid season with step three, but I didn't know you already did it. So that's great. <laughs> I um, did it. I am done. I needed to get everything out of the way. I didn't want to have that sort of hanging over my head during first during intern so I decided to just like go ahead and do it. I agree. It's so much, you'll go through it engineer with less stress thinking about an exam. If you do yeah. it now and just get it out of the way, that way you just focus on whatever you need to learn, which as you'll notice, it's the same medicine you learned in Germany, just more structured. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. 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 So it should be, I, I, I think about the medicine. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm you'll be fine. Of the system. Yeah, right, right. I think you'll be totally fine when it comes to residency. Personally, I, f I find that people who have trained in another country, re regardless of where it was, if they've had some clinical experience, I feel like residency is it's like, to me, my perspective of them is it's an icing on the cake because they already have that basic medical knowledge. And this is just like perfecting it and making it like real smooth and and then adding that building block of if you're going to do something else beyond that, whether it's a fellowship or whatever, you just yeah. have, that, you have that foundation. So I think you'll be fine. So let's talk a little bit about this. So you moved in 2019 at the end of the year, mm -hmm. around October. Yeah. And so in the midst of 2019 to 2020, it's pandemic, like the whole year is just a mess. And you managed mm -hmm. to finish all these exams under two years. 
That's what I'm getting from yeah. your story. Because you're starting, this is, we're recording this in May of 2021. And you're starting residency mm -hmm. in June of 2021. And I'm just trying to make sure that the listener can gain some inspiration to this. Because some people take five years, for example, four years longer to complete these exams. And here you are telling me that you did this in a pandemic, but not only mm -hmm. that, you moved in October and here we are under two years and you've already matched and you're starting residency. So that's yeah. something that a lot of people that I talk to sometimes are like, well, I've been studying for eight months for step one. I've been studying for, you know, another nine months for step two and another year for step two. I don't feel ready. What do you say to that? Because yeah, you, you told us, you know, your step one score is 211. You didn't feel great about it, but I'm sure you learned some lessons from that. But what is looking back, like, what is your advice to that person that's like either spending so much more time studying or, you know, feels like they don't, they need more time to study beyond what they already have? Well, I mean, obviously everyone's different, but, and I guess it depends how far out you are from, from medical school, whether you are still in medical school. I don't know, just, you just got to pull the trigger at some point, no matter how much studying you do, you'll never really fully know everything. And especially when like with the adrenaline pumping through your veins and like a little bit of anxiety during the exam, you will forget some things that it's totally normal and it is okay. And rather than like spending all your life studying, just, just do it. Just, just do it. Just be brave. Just do it. Just pull that trigger and go for it. I mean, obviously don't go for it when you really don't feel ready, but once you're hitting like, I don't know, like a 70% average on every world block. Yeah. I built like just like study for two more weeks or something like that, like hardcore and, and then just go for it. Just, just yeah. do it because I don't know. I, I'm not a fan of the whole, like just dragging it out forever studying situation. It's, it's, I don't think it's helpful. You start forgetting more and it, it's not going to solidify that much. I don't know. We had a term in med school for this. It's like just bulimia studying. You just shove it all in, you do a big binge, and then you vomit it out in the exam and you don't have to deal with it again. Mm -hmm. Just, I don't know. That was, <laughs> that was my, my method of success in med school and, and here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Almost. Like, I don't know. For me, almost suck it up. Suck, suck it up success. Like, you you know, you just like yeah. give it all up and just like get you grind like serious grind intense. Just get it over with. I'm kind exactly. of the same. I, I'm the same like that. Like I, I would rather just be miserable for a short period of time and get it over with than like procrastinating and just torture myself for much longer. Yeah. And I don't think you're getting much of a benefit by dragging it out because at some point you've peaked and then you're just, I don't know. You're just forgetting more than, than you're retaining. I feel like that was my problem with step one. I had peaked in like late April and then because of the pandemic, it kept getting postponed. And I was like, Oh God, I have no more drive to study. Mm -hmm. I am frustrated. It feels like I'm never, ever going to get this exam out of the way. And I think that was part of the problem. Also, I don't know if everyone is used to multiple choice exams. I was not in my med school. Everything, all our exams were oral exams. So this was like my first real multiple choice event. And I think I didn't take enough advantage of all the MBMEs and practice exams and such, such things that were available to me. Because I don't know, I was 
in my hubris, I was like, oh, no, this will be fine. It wasn't as fine. That was part of the reason why I did so much better on step two, just I learned how to pace myself and sort of how to game the multiple choice test. And I feel that takes just as much practice as the actual study material. So that's another thing I would, I don't know, advise other people for. Yeah. And if I could go back in time, that's something I'd tell myself, like, girl, you got to watch out for those multiple choice questions. It's not as easy as you think it is. Right, right, right. Absolutely. Especially if you're from a different educational system where, like you said, yours was uh, more oral. I've talked to other doctors who had structural questions, um, like fill in the blanks, and I've had other people who had to write essays or, you know, thesis type documents for exams. So I think that's a huge learning curve coming from a different educational system into this multiple choice, because then, you know, initially the thought is the temptation is to think that it's just check the right answer, but then you get in there and you're like, all the answers seem correct. So it's more yeah. about like critical thinking and teasing through everything that looks right, but it's not right. So it's yeah, like, a, exactly. a, a, yeah, a three-step process with critical thinking. So they present the concept, they give you options, and then you have to identify what what's missing, so to speak. So yeah, and all under time pressure. <laughs> right, under time pressure. And, you know, the rest of us have made it sound like it's the most important thing in the world. And so, you know, there's the time pressure, there's the social pressure, academic pressure. You know, you want to have a high step one score. And thankfully, they're going to pass fail soon. So that, that hopefully will become a thing of the past, even though I feel like that'll just be pushed mm-hmm. over to step two CK. Well, let's watch and see. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like step two CK material wise is so much easier it's so much more doable the questions are more benign and I don't know I I found it a lot easier yeah absolutely and it's more applicable like it's real stuff it's like yeah that's what happens in real life not you know theories on step one and such but hey you know we have to do it so yeah let's move into your application cycle so you've walked us through this and I know oh we'll have to come back to this later on Step three, study tips. Okay, but let's get into application cycle first because so many of our listeners want to know how to study for step three before residency. So we'll come back to that. We'll make them wait. But let's talk about application (laughs) cycle. (laughs) Let's talk about application cycle first. Can you walk us through how many you applied into? Did you apply with a visa requirement, non-visa requirement? How did you Um, I applied. I applied initially with a visa requirement that has since changed because I got married so I no longer need that, thank God. Although really watch out which visa you apply for because the day one, it'll they'll make you leave the country after you finish residency. The H-1B, they might not give you fellowship after. So you really got to weigh those pros and cons there and make that decision consciously, which one you apply for or both, uh, or if you just don't care and you just want to get, get a spot. So I applied to I think 110 programs if I remember correctly mm-hmm. and I got two interviews so I was a bit devastated but out of those 110 I think 20 programs were for emergency medicine because that was like another thing I had my eye on and I was considering it because I really enjoyed my rotations to the ER a lot but I didn't get an interview with any of those places because I didn't get that special recommendation letter that they want, which is like a standardized letter that needs to come from, I think, a university-affiliated hospital. And they all want that LOR. Without it, I I feel like they don't even look at you. So I kind of knew that that was a long shot. So I wasn't really that disappointed when I didn't hear back from any of them. 
not all of the programs told like sent me a letter of like regret or whatever, like not extending me an invitation even to an interview. So I didn't even hear back from a lot of the IM places. I also only applied to either university hospitals or university affiliated hospitals. I didn't apply to any community hospitals um, because for me, I wanted that academic life as well because I want to do a cardiology fellowship. So for me, it was important to have the opportunity to do research and get published and all of that. But I know from my rotations that I did in order to get the LORs that some of my friends or the people I met there, they applied really broadly and did very well in the community-based hospitals. And part of me now, like, even though I got my spot, part of me now thinks like I should have just to get some more interview practice also applied there. But luckily, it all worked out fine. But yeah, it, it becomes a really nerve-wracking <laughs> process because from the moment you submit your application to when like they start like sending out interview invitations and some weeks go by and it's just you just sit, sit there biting your nails waiting for that ear ask to come up on your email and be like, hey, you got a message. Someone about some program showed some interest in you. But yeah, like I said, I only got two interviews and, and one worked out. Yeah, that's super amazing. I know that feeling of getting multiple rejections and getting only two interviews and feeling like, well, what if these two don't like me? Because <laughs> I had two interviews, too, so I, I know that pain and I feel you 100%. But like you said- Yeah, when I know, saw that on your stories, when it was about like the application cycle, I was like, oh my God, and she's super successful. Thank God. Okay, it worked out for her. <laughs> I'm so glad that that helped you because some days when I wake up and I post the things that I post, I'm like, you know, heck, I don't know if this will help anybody today, but I am glad that that helped you because that's why I put that out no, there. It's it like me a lot. A lot of times we don't see, you know, it's easy to see someone else's highlight reel on Instagram or anywhere on social media and really forget that they had like a hard time too. And sometimes I have to be intentional about exposing those truths because that way, other people know it's possible for them as well. Like, because it's true, it is possible to match with one interview. It's now it's difficult, yeah. but it's not impossible. Exactly. And so, exactly. yeah, I'm glad that you resonated with that. That's so, that's actually really cool. I really like that. Thanks for sharing that with me <laughs> in my day. <laughs> of course, I'm happy that I made your day with that. It made my day. It really, that was like my little beacon of hope, like, oh God, okay, I'm not the only one in this like crappy situation and she has a great career. Okay, this will work out for me. And yeah. also my family kept reminding me, like, you only need one spot. Like, it doesn't matter how many interviews you get. And at the end of the day, you only need one to bite. And then in the interview, you can shine like you can't shine on paper. Yes, absolutely. I agree with that. I think the key for those who get very few interviews is the interview experience itself. There's actually research that has been done by the NRMP and they've surveyed program directors from all specialties, I believe. And they, I mean, it's a pretty good number. So the power of the study is really high because of how good of a number of program directors they could survey. And I think mm -hmm. it's 2018 that they did this and they asked, you know, what is the number one factor for who gets on the rank list and it's the interview experience and then USMLE step one was like the second so you can have low scores or whatever and still get called in for an interview and kill that interview to where you can get on the rank list much 
quicker and higher than somebody who had high scores because of your performance on interview day. So I usually always like emphasize that because a lot of IMGs, sometimes we think we have to have all these number of interviews for us to be successful. But I was also chatting with someone in my DMs the other day who had 13 interviews and IMG high scores did not match. And I told him, I was like, I don't know you in person, but just my social media interaction with you, it had to do with your interview because you have really good scores and you probably were a little bit conceited during your interview experience and probably did not open up as well or communicate effectively because you thought your scores were going to do it for you. And so it's really important that people listening, IMGs, doctors, students, your interview experience alone can redeem a lot of what you think is bad on your application if you interview well. And interviewing well is a whole different other ball game. I have like webinars on that. Well, if you want to see that, go to my website, you'll find it. But I think that that's a big deal also. So let's go back now into the step three, because I have IMGs, I get this often, especially those um, that are like you who graduated as physicians in another country, and they've moved here for one reason or the other. And they're working on this process. I should tell them it's good to have step three out of the way. But then the next thing I, when I say that is the question is how do I study for step three? Because obviously step three is not required for residency, but we've noticed that it makes the IMG more competitive if they do it prior to. And it also just eliminates that doubt with you failing the exam that's responsible or precursor for licensure. And so can you give us some tips, some general tips as to how you prepared for it? When did you actually do it? And what was your process with studying for it? I took it, when did I take it? I took it in early April of this year of 2021. So after I had matched and everything, it was not part of my application. And I studied like, if I'm being generous, I studied two months for it. I really did not spend much time on it. And what I did, I just reviewed all the UWorld questions. I went through UWorld. They have this great interactive section for the interactive cases. That's actually a lot of fun, especially if you either just graduated or already practice a little bit, it makes you feel like you're actually like doing something worthwhile again. And they have this great biostatistic review section as well, which helped me a lot. And I and I turned to YouTube a little bit for the statistics stuff as well, which helped me too. And that was really it. I really, I just kind of, I don't want to say half-assed it because I did well on it, but I didn't put that much effort into the studying I really took it easy and I was like okay I've got this this is going to be okay and it really was it really was it's it's a two-day exam it's a lot of exam but it's doable like you've survived step one after that I feel like you can survive and do and do anything really yeah I agree like you know if anyone if you can do step one I think that's a perfect analogy step three is definitely <laughs> under your feet especially coming in as you know because it, it's usually clinical concepts so if you've practiced and done a GP year or a general internship year or you had that one year after medical school where you rotated through all these different specialties in your home country and you're listening to this and you're thinking, about step three, that's what step three is like. It's basically that intern year, GP year, postgraduate year, whatever you call it, where you're from, it's that material. It's very clinical, very practical, much real. It's real medicine. So it's it's very far from step one as far as that goes. So, you know, as we round up this episode, we want to know some personal inspirational, motivational tips for success that you would want to pass on to the next person. You, like you said, you, you know, have followed some of my social media. It was beneficial for you. 
we want to hear yours. We want you to live your footprint on the podcast today by giving us your own tips. Like what, what would you say to yourself looking back or what, what do you want to tell somebody else maybe from your lessons learned? So what helped me was I had a strict sort of study workout regimen and the workout sort of became the reward for studying well and productively without my phone, without any other distractions. That was like the, in like the nitty gritty period of studying for step one, that was sort of the routine. And I also gave up drinking during step one. I just, I was like, okay, I'm throwing this goal at the end of step one, you're allowed to enjoy a glass of wine again. <laughs> once you've passed this and once you've done this, and I really noticed a bit of a difference in my focus and that really helped me. And also just make sure to like take one day off a week where you don't study, you don't talk about it, you don't think about it. It doesn't exist in your life. And you have one sort of normal day that you spend like a normal human being that has nothing to do with medicine. And that's also really, really good. I don't know. I still tried to like, since I had just moved to New York, I tried to go to a museum, catch a show or whatever, just like stroll around, go shopping, go get pampered, just something for yourself that has nothing to do with it. And, and that really helped me just to keep like, I don't know, a good life, work-life balance, even though I hate that word. But yeah, it was a good, it was a good balance. But especially the working out. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I hate that a phrase, word, terminology, work-life balance. I'm just like, uh, I have so many wow. thoughts about it too. But I like that you place yourself to get rewards almost. Like you created this like Pavlovian system where it's, you know, you work hard and then <laughs> yeah. you reward yourself with a good workout or to the mall. And because I think that's important. You can't just sit, sit on your desk eight hours a day for months on end. I mean, you, you're going to break down, like you're literally going to break down. Yeah. Yeah, no. And, and then find study buddies, just other people to, like we said in the beginning, like misery likes company just to commiserate with, just yeah. find, find your little, your little pod, your little group and, and study with them. For step two, I studied virtually with someone who I met through an online Kaplan course. And we both went on WhatsApp call and we shared the USMLE ID question ID. And that's how we did it. And we broke down question by question together. So that really helped. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Thank you so much for coming on today and just sharing your pearls of wisdom, hard earned, hard earned. Because <laughs> I know that, you know, I can, I can definitely relate with that. And I wish you the very My best pleasure. as you proceed Thank on you. into residency. And yeah, hopefully in the future, we can have more conversations around this topic or any other topics that as you progress in your career, you want to come back and share, we'll be happy to bring you back on. So just let us know. Sure, I'd love that. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. All right. You have a good day. You too.